Hi, welcome to Adulthood Pending Podcast. I'm Brittany. And I'm Annalise. We are a podcast for college students, recent graduates, or anyone else who is also figuring out that being an adult isn't as simple as it's made out to be. Join us each episode as we share how we are navigating our careers, postgrad lives, and the whole adulting experience. episode some of you may have noticed that Brittany was absent but she's back with us today we are however missing Kimmy this week who was unable to join us but we are so lucky to have on Maya To, host of Maya Kintsugi Mind on Adult Penning to join us in conversation about mental health. Maya is actually someone that I've known since first grade and it's been an absolute honor to grow up with her and see her become the strong and beautiful woman she is today. She also graduated from Scripps College in 2019 and moved to Boston around the same time I did and she is not only doing incredible work at her company, but is also, as I mentioned earlier, the host of My Kintsugi Mind, a very honest and raw bi-weekly podcast slash blog that openly shares about mental health and life topics. So thank you for joining us today. We are so excited to have you on. Yay. Thank you for having me. I always love telling people how I know you because then it's like, oh, I knew you since first grade. I know. But we also went to the same college. And then and no, we same also moved high to the school. Same. I'm in college. Yes. And then now we're in the same city. I know. And we moved like a month apart from each other. I think oh. you're following me, but it's fine. Well. Well. Yes. Yeah. The answer is yes. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> yes. So we usually start off each episode with a fun question related to the topic. So the one for today is, what is one thing that you did recently that was just for yourself and your mental health? Ooh, okay. Um, so super recent, actually. Just today, I deactivated my Instagram account, um, okay. which I feel like I do almost like every month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I basically, fine. you know, delete it and then activate it again. Exactly. Um, and I think I just realized I was spending a lot of time like doom scrolling, especially with what's going mm. on right now. Mm. Um, and it's just a lot of negative content that I'm absorbing. So I feel like it's just really not the best way to start my day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually ended up deleting TikTok first, like a few months ago um, and then Facebook and now Instagram. So mm-hmm. I guess you could say I'm like trying to wean myself off of all social media, mm-hmm. um, but it's hard, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What what's after Instagram? LinkedIn? I think that's the final. Well, <laughs> yeah. LinkedIn is technically a social network. Um, I don't. So I have to go on LinkedIn for my work, which is why I've kept right. it. Um, but yeah, I think that's like the final barrier or the, yeah, final frontier. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Brittany? Um, so I'm on my spring break right now, which has been really nice, but I told myself, I was like, oh, I'm going to write in my journal every day. I'm going to go on my walks and I'm going to like be productive about trying to take control over my mental health again. But honestly, the last three days, I've been kind of just like laying in bed or watching TV. And so I've been trying to tell myself like, oh, that's just a different form of like Mm self-care and helping my mental health. Because like if I don't have that capacity and I'm like forcing myself to, then like it's not beneficial as it's supposed to be. So I think letting Mm -hmm. myself have that break has been really nice. It is. It's like a nice way to just shut down for a little bit. Yeah. How are you, Annalise? Um, so for me, I was actually feeling pretty low recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, the weather, there was a weekend of really great weather here in Boston. And so I'm, like I mentioned already training for the half. Mm-hmm. And so I, instead of waiting for the weekend for my long run, I did it in the middle of the week. 
And so it was just nice to be out and do like a, a long run there along the river. It was oh. just like nice. I think my body just needed it. My mind needed it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's what I did. Nice. Yeah. So give it our name, adulthood pending. Maya, where are <laughs> you in your adulthood journey? Yes, I would say the title of your podcast is actually a really accurate description of where I'm at right now. (laughs) Um, Because in a lot of ways, I do feel very grown. Um, In the last Mm. few years, I've really just been taking charge of my mental and physical health, planning for my future, um, you know, doing hashtag grown woman stuff. (laughs) I guess all the things that like society would probably deem as very adult like. But I also feel very much in this weird limbo state where Mm -hmm. it's almost like I haven't fully accepted my adulthood yet, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. So that's kind of why, you know, it's like pending, lagging even. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people our age can probably relate to this. But because of the pandemic, it kind of feels like I've lost like a good chunk of my early 20s. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe because of that, I'm like hesitant to let it go or accept that, you know, time is moving forward anyway. Um, But yeah, long story short, I think I'm just still trying to figure out my relationship with adulthood and how I want to define that for myself. Yeah, I think we all kind of feel like that. So it's great to hear like other people that have the same perspective because it kind of just reminds us all that we're kind of going through the same thing. Um, So you also, as Annalise mentioned, have a podcast. And so can you tell us more about my Kintsugi Mine and the the meaning of the name behind it and how you came up with it? Yeah, so as Annalise so nicely introduced in the beginning, um, (laughs) my Kintsugi Mind is a platform that I started for mental health awareness, education, and just openly sharing about a bunch of life topics. And I say platform, which feels kind of like a techie buzzword, but (laughs) platform because it actually started off as an Instagram. So um, when I was in college, I started a random Instagram account where I could kind of just keep track of my thoughts, like, you know, in a separate platform Mm -hmm. um, or separate to my main account and repost things that, you know, inspired me or I felt were really insightful in regards to mental health. Um, And I had a few friends who followed it, but it was never really meant to be something public. Mm -hmm. So during that time, I was also blogging a lot. Um, That's something I've been doing since I was in middle school. And because I kind of viewed it as like an online diary, I wrote really candidly about things like my anxiety, sexual assault, all these things that were just on my mind at the time. And Mm -hmm. Once I graduated and I started the podcast in 2020, that's when I was like, oh, wait, like I actually have a lot of stuff from before that I could use for this platform. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, I think I'm like kind of ready to make it more public and share this with an audience. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously I needed a name to tie all of this together. So moving out to that part of the question, um, Basically, back in 2016, I got a tattoo on my ribcage of the word kintsugi. If you don't know, kintsugi is a Japanese art form where you take broken pottery shards and you meld them together using gold paint so that the cracks kind of show through and it becomes this like really beautiful um, artwork. And it's also kind of a philosophy, I guess, in the sense that it's about finding beauty in our brokenness and recognizing Mm -hmm. that even if things happen to us, like we can make our own meaning out of it and we can still be, I guess, masterpieces or arts of work after all that. Um, So I got that tattoo as a personal reminder um, because I have 
been through quite a few things in my life that a lot of people would view as like kind of dark or like maybe taboo. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just wanted to remind myself that like it's okay that I've been through those things and I can make something beautiful out of it. And, you know, because that word means so much to me and I got it tattooed, I was like, I think it's appropriate to apply it to like this passion project I have, which is my Kintsugi mind. Um, and I really wanted that to be sort of like the baseline philosophy for everything that I do. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's kind of how that started. And it's actually funny that you guys asked this because recently I've been thinking about changing or rebranding my podcast. Really? Yeah. So, you know how it's called My Kintsugi Mind? Well, I mm. kind of wanted to be more like collective and inviting to like everyone. So I was thinking of changing it to like the Kintsugi Mind or just Kintsugi Mind, <laughs> which oh. isn't like a huge rebrand, I know. But um, <laughs> yeah, I do want it to represent more of like a general, like collective as opposed to it just being my own personal journey. Our Kintsugi Mind. <laughs> yeah, everyone. or our Kintsugi cool. Mind. I know. That's I'm still working on it. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I've heard like versions of this story but I always love like I just love the name behind it I think it's a very beautiful inspiration yeah Mm -hmm. when I stumbled across that word I was like oh that's like perfect honestly yeah yeah so what have you learned since you started this platform either like about yourself or about the whole process and everything yeah so I would say well aside from like the technical stuff of learning you know sound editing and all that which I'm sure you guys are familiar with Mm -hmm. um one of the biggest lessons I've learned is that you never know when a story you share will resonate with someone. Mm -hmm. Um, And I say that because, like I said, I started off this podcast thinking it was going to be like really small and just like private and more just a way for me to like document my thoughts. Um, But throughout the 35 episodes I released, um, I got a lot of messages from people who were like, oh, I listened to this episode and like what you're talking about really resonated or oh, like, I didn't know anyone else felt this way. And Mm -hmm. those messages, honestly, like, I think were what kind of kept me going when I doubted myself is because, Mm -hmm. like, just realizing, okay, even though I thought, like, my audience is, like, tiny or, like, I always kind of viewed it as this, like, imaginary, unseen audience, since you're not, like, talking in, like, Mm -hmm. a room to a crowded, like, room live, it's kind Mm -hmm. of hard to, like, get an idea or grasp of, like, who's actually out there listening Um, But I think those messages really taught me, like, if you have a story to share, like, there will be someone who will listen and you have no idea or you can't really, like, estimate what kind of impact you could have on someone's life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I would say the second thing I learned is just that it's okay to take breaks. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been Mm -hmm. on, like, multiple random hiatuses since I started this podcast. Um, I think I'm currently still on one. (laughs) Yeah, you think? (laughs) Yeah, I think. I, like, I honestly don't know. Like, it's such a weird thing where um, I said I was on a hiatus, and then I was like, oh, I'm going to come back in March, but, like, I don't know Mm. if I will. And I know that sounds Mm -hmm. weird, but, yeah, like, I've been really reflecting on, like, where I want to take this and Mm -hmm. whether it's going to be in podcast form or something else. And so that's why I said it's okay to, like, take time to figure that out and, like, reflect on what you really want from it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, like, we grew all into the same school and I feel like mental health was something someone always, like, people always use as a buzzword. Mm -hmm. And um, Mm -hmm. I really like how your podcast, like, I don't want to say like it just like goes 
to a deeper level than like taking a bubble bath and you know monitoring your mental health and so um yeah I've actually really enjoyed listening to it and as like someone who is also on a mental health journey I think it's like your stories actually were really helpful to lead me to think about like oh like what steps next should I take to better myself that's more than going shopping or like (laughs) writing in my journal which are all good things but you know like sometimes I think people don't realize the depth of it Mm -hmm. yeah I'm really glad to hear that I think the self-care aspect of like bubble baths and all that like that's great you know Mm -hmm. I think there's nothing wrong with that for sure um but I definitely felt like, you know, when I was younger and I didn't know much about mental health, like I really wish someone had went through like the nitty gritty of the things Mm -hmm. Um, because like when we don't get like into the specifics, it's kind of hard to relate or it's just Mm -hmm. sort of like this vague thing of like, oh, you know, I'm depressed or like I'm going through depression, but what does Mm -hmm. that really mean? What does that look like? Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's something I really wanted to tackle in my podcast is like, actually getting down to the details of it and telling my story in that way so yeah I'm glad to hear that it helps <laughs> yeah no exactly that's like exactly what I think people need is for someone to like actually go into the nitty-gritty of you know mental health and how different it looks for everyone I guess yeah yeah so um speaking about mental health like can you maybe go into talking about how your mental health journey has been so far and kind of where you're standing Yeah, so right now, um, I'm kind of at a point where I'm just really trying to take charge of my mental health um, Mm -hmm. and kind of find answers to a lot of the questions I've had since I was a lot younger. So throughout the years, I've been in therapy. I've seen a lot of doctors and psychiatrists. Mm -hmm. And surprisingly, I've actually gotten a lot of diagnoses, um, some of which, when I look back, are probably not the most accurate. So I've been diagnosed with depression, PTSD, generalized anxiety disorder. At one point, my psychiatrist thought that maybe I was bipolar, maybe I was OCD. So I think for a good chunk of my mental health journey, I spent a lot of time kind of grappling with what those diagnoses diagnoses meant. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I'm just naturally someone who tends to like pathologize myself a lot. So I get really caught up in like all these definitions and labels. Um, And right now I'm just at a point where I'm trying to get in the mindset of like, it doesn't really matter what I'm being labeled with or what the label is, so long as I'm taking the right steps to improve my mental health and improve Mm. my quality of life. So I would say it's really shifted from like focusing on, oh, like what's wrong with me or what, you know, what exactly is the problem to just realizing like it, it doesn't really matter um, as long as I'm seeking out the right solutions and seeking out what I think is good for my mental health. Mm. so I guess like throughout these years that you mentioned um how you've seen like multiple different therapists and psychiatrists like how has your attitude then about mental health changed or your perception of it yeah that's a great question um I would say my attitude or approach towards mental health has just become a lot more proactive as opposed Mm. to reactive Mm. Um, I think when I first started out in my journey, I was very much in crisis mode all the time, which I think a lot of us can relate to, Mm -hmm. um, in the sense that like, I'd only really seek help or make changes when whatever I was going through was finally like really starting to wear me down and affect my daily life. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think during that time, a lot of me looking for help came from a place of guilt, I think, in the sense that like, 
I kind of believed, oh, wow, there's something really wrong with me to the point that it's affecting my work and my relationships and I need to fix this, you know. Mm -hmm. But now when I look at how I view my mental health, I would say, first of all, there's a lot less guilt tripping because I realized a lot of the things that happened to me weren't necessarily my fault. And like, of course, you know, I am responsible for my own mental health and how I respond to these events, but kind of just learning along the way that I shouldn't feel so guilty and shameful that these things happened. Mm -hmm. Um, And going into the more proactive part. So instead of only addressing things when I'm really like at the end of my rope or when something super terrible has happened, um, I've recently just been thinking more about like future Maya and my future relationships. Um, So for example, something I brought up with my therapist recently is that I've never really properly addressed like losing my mom at a young age. Mm -hmm. Um, And now I'm almost in my mid twenties and (laughs) in a serious relationship. So Mm -hmm. I am thinking about, you know, maybe having kids in the future. And like, what does that look like considering how much trauma there's been surrounding the idea of motherhood and being Mm -hmm. a mother? Um, You know, how do I overcome that trauma so I don't pass it down to my kid? Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, those things are obviously still like way off in the future. I'm not having kids anytime soon. But Mm -hmm. I think recently my attitude has just become like work hard right now to address past traumas so that they don't interfere Mm -hmm. with my future. Mm-hmm. yeah I think that's like a, a great outlook to have because um like as someone who's also kind of on a mental health journey I think it's easy to get wrapped up in like feeling like guilty and like sad for yourself of like oh I have this problem like and no one else does so I shouldn't deserve to like like you said like have a be a mother one day or like have successes that other people that don't have to deal with these things have so yeah I think that's really amazing that you've gotten to that point but like what got you to that point considering you said before like you had multiple maybe misdiagnoses or like um Mm -hmm. you said before like you um you had different like therapists or different uh, psychiatrists that you've been through like how um do you think that has helped you get to the point you've gotten today Yeah, I would definitely say it's been like a really long and arduous process, Um, Mm -hmm. not to like discourage anyone, but just personally for me, I would say like, you know, I first got diagnosed with depression when I was 18 and I'm 24 now. And like ever since that point, like so much has happened. I've gotten all these diagnoses. I've struggled with different things at different points in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that a lot of times it really does take like patience and understanding that um like healing is not linear right Mm. it's gonna be very up and down for a long time and I'm I'm sure I'll talk about this like more but yeah like it's gonna be very up and down for a long time um and sometimes because it's so up and down you don't realize that the general trend is upwards or that you know there are certain Mm. things that are shifting and changing that you might not even notice until like let's say two or three years later um One thing that's really helped me is I have been journaling since I was 18. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm able to look back on like all my entries and see like just how much my mindset and like my attitude towards certain thing has changed. And Mm -hmm. I really do think that's just a result of time and putting in the work in therapy, um, you know, addressing like different parts of my life at different um, times. And I think something important here to know is that like, 
you will work on a particular thing like at the time that you're supposed to, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, so like there were many times in my life where I was like, oh, I need to get rid of this problem or I need to address this. And I'd go to therapy and I'd bring it up. Um, but something in my mind, body or soul just was not clicking. Like I wasn't able to really make any breakthroughs or kind of work through it. Um, mm -hmm. And then a year or two later, like it gets brought up randomly in therapy and I'm like, whoa, like everything's different now. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I think that tends to happen a lot. And so I would say just like don't get discouraged if that does happen, because like mental health is really is not a linear process and is also just very like an up and down journey. And yeah, like it's continuous. Like you're, I'm still working on my mental health. I'm still discovering mm -hmm. things about myself. Um, and it really just takes like time, I think. Mm -hmm. So you kind of touched on this, but like you're having the ups and downs, but <laughs> is there, how then do you go back and you think like, okay, I do see this upward trend because you mentioned that that's kind of, I guess like the net change is that it yeah. is upward, but how I'm sure it's also not easy to like look back, especially mm -hmm. when you're when you're feeling down at the moment. Mm -hmm. It's hard for you to look back and be like, yeah, like, you know, I've still grown. So how do you process all of that change? Yeah, I mean, there are so many points in my life where like I've been like, hey, I'm actually feeling like really OK, you know, mm -hmm. and then out of nowhere, I get hit by something triggering and I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, never mind. <laughs> Um, mm -hmm. like for example, during the peak of the pandemic, I was being super productive and excited. You know, I was trying all mm -hmm. these like new things and hobbies. And then something happened in my personal life that just like completely threw me off. And mm -hmm. I remember like, well, so I relapsed in the first time for many years um with like alcohol. And I mm -hmm. remember like in that moment just thinking, everything that I worked for up until this point, like what was the point of that, you know, or mm -hmm. like I think I was just in a really dark place. Um, and it's definitely like kind of a shock to your system to have all these ups and downs. And some of the downs can be really severe. Mm -hmm. um, I think for me, the way that I've been able to tell that there's still an upward trend is, first of all, reminding myself that like you're not starting from zero. Like mm -hmm. every time that you technically start over, like you're starting from a place where you've been through this, you've learned something about yourself through the process, you maybe have gotten help or resources um, to get you through it. And so you're never starting from zero. You're always starting from a point where you've already kind of experienced it. Mm -hmm. And so keeping that in mind, I was like, I know that I'm going down this dark place right now. This was during the pandemic. Um, and I know that the last time this happened, I tended to, like, isolate myself. So I really want to try and be honest with my friends and tell them what's going on. Mm. And so that was kind of like, I was like, oh, that's interesting that I, like, thought of that because back then, like, the only coping mechanism I had was to isolate myself. Mm. But this mm. time, I'm actually thinking of things that could be different or productive. Um, and so for me, that was kind of like an indicator that, like, hey, maybe there is some kind of growth there and that, you know, um, I'm not really necessarily like starting from scratch or it's not like all the hard work I've been doing has been erased. It's just mm -hmm. this like setback that you get to decide for yourself, like how you're going to respond to and what you're going to do differently going forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's like a great outlook to have, especially when 
people take like hiatuses with going to therapy or like taking care of their mental health it's easy to kind of think like oh I have to start all over but like Mm -hmm. you don't you're not like starting all over but yeah exactly like you're always working off of you know hopefully a pretty strong foundation um Mm -hmm. And yeah, like what you mentioned about taking breaks from therapy, like that's something I've done like since I was 18. I've been Mm -hmm. on and off with therapy for a really long time. Um, And I wouldn't say that like those off seasons were me like kind of wasting away or like not doing anything. Sometimes Mm -hmm. like it's actually important for us to just sit there and not do anything and kind of take in everything that we've learned. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I I really don't think there's anything to like feel shameful about of like taking breaks, even like on your mental health journey. Speaking of therapy, I I know you have a full episode about this, but just to give some advice to our listeners, um, what led you to seek therapy? Like what got you to that point? And maybe an abridged version of like how that process looked like for you yeah so the first time I ever saw a therapist was um senior year of high school this was back when I was still living in China which finding a therapist in China is like a whole other story that we could get Mm -hmm. into but um I remember just like begging my dad to take me to a therapist because I was really just going through it like I was really depressed Mm -hmm. I was burnt out um I vividly remember like walking through the school gates every morning and sometimes just having this thought of like, oh, I like don't want to be here. Like I, Mm. I don't want to be living, you know? Mm. Um, And so, yeah, like I was kind of terrified by my own thoughts and I was like, dad, I think I need like actual professional help. Um, And fortunately he was able to find an opening within that same month. Um, My first ever therapist was an old white man who very (laughs) sweet but also very old Freud (laughs) can you imagine oh my gosh yeah um we're on like first name basis (laughs) no but he was like super sweet but also really old and just not the best at relating to me since you know I am Mm. a young Asian woman (laughs) um really but I will say the one thing he did provide for me was the safe space for me to just Mm. talk and cry and that's kind of the point when I realized like there's something really cathartic and reassuring about like having this person in your life whose entire job is to just hold space for you right Mm -hmm. and I don't really remember exactly the work we did but I think ever since that point I realized like okay therapy isn't as scary as I thought it was Mm -hmm. um and since then I've had like six to seven therapists each one has been really different um totally different experience each time but yeah, um, if you do want to hear more about my process, like Brittany mentioned, I do have an episode on uh, how to find a therapist and what therapy is all about. So, yeah. <laughs> you mentioned that you grew up in China. We well, we went to the same school. Yeah. But um, what was it like then to grow up in Asia? And then you said that the process of like finding a therapist in China is uh, very different because it's very taboo there to talk about. Like no one really talks about mm. mental health. They kind of. I think in the in Asian culture, you kind of keep your head down on a lot of things and mental yeah. health is kind of one of them. So what was it like growing up there and, you know, coming to terms with mental health growing up in Shanghai, but then also moving to the States where I think the topic of mental health has become more and more popular over mm-hmm. the years? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think like what me and Annalise went through is definitely like a pretty unique experience I would say in like that stark transition of like oh you're going from one like very different culture to another um I would say 
it was pretty rough, not going to lie. Mm-hmm. Um, my family is pretty, like, progressive for an Asian family, but we definitely still struggled a lot with just being open about our emotions. And I think this is something that a lot of Asian households struggle with. Um, I remember, like, in our particular household, we would never use the word depression or anxiety. Mm. It was always, like, some other vague word, you know, like stress. Sad, very or, sad. Yeah, very sad, very stressed. Oh, I'm just tired. Mm. Mm. Um, and I was also taught to just hide my emotions a lot, um, especially the negative ones, because mm-hmm. I was told, like, if I were to share those, it would affect the people around me in a bad way. And so I need to keep that to myself, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, especially growing up. I think I heard a lot of like, oh, don't tell your dad that because he's already going through a lot at work. And like, you're going to mm-hmm. give him high blood pressure mm-hmm. if you tell him like all these things. Right. Which, as a kid, when you hear it, it makes you feel really guilty and ashamed for having any kind of negative emotion. Um, so for me, I developed a lot of like unhealthy co- unhealthy coping mechanisms um, because I was keeping so much to myself. And so that kind of came in the form of like distancing myself from my family, never wanting to come home. I was always just hanging out with my friends. Um, there were like many points where I lied to my parents. And at the most extreme end of it, there was like self-harm and self-loathing. And it wasn't really until I left Asia and entered college that I was like, oh, like some of the stuff that we went through was really messed up. And I had no Mm. idea. Like I didn't even know that it was considered like pretty like bad, you know. Mm. Um, And yeah, I think like now my family is doing a lot better with the whole mental health thing since like all three kids in the family have now been diagnosed with some kind of mental illness. Mm. (laughs) So, you know, it's kind of hard to avoid talking about it at that point. (laughs) Um, And like now that I've been in the States for over five years, I'm also learning that mental health like isn't just taboo in Asia. Um, Obviously, Mm. you know, culturally there's that element, but I think in the U.S. like there's also a lot of issues here that we have. Um, mm-hmm. mental health care as an institution, I think is just still extremely like underfunded and underprioritized. Mm-hmm. Um, and globally, I think there's just an issue of like a lot of people who lack access to the treatment and care that they need. Um, so I do think it's kind of like a global problem with its own like cultural differences, obviously. But overall, I think the trend has been mostly upwards and I really hope that it continues that way. And like looking back, I think having been in both cultures of like Asian, which is like considered more conservative and like less open. And then being here in the States, um, I've learned a lot from each end. And I think like, like I said, overall, I see that both cultures are really like trying to be more open-minded about mental health. What would you say are some like misconceptions surrounding mental health, both like in the States or where you grew up? Yeah, um, I think a big one is when people hear the word mental health, they often just think about mental illness. Mm -hmm. Um, But mental health isn't really this like all or nothing thing. You know, it's not just about having a mental illness or not having one. Um, Just as people can run the spectrum of being like physically well and physically ill and everything in between, it's kind of the same thing with mental health. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, the things we eat, the amount of activity we get, the supplements we take, these are all ways that we like actively take care of our physical health. But I think what gets or what kind of gets swept under the rug is that it's just as important to practice habits that address our mental health in a similar way. 
So like whether that's taking up meditation or making sure you get some form of sunlight every day or like Mm -hmm. deleting social media, Mm -hmm. these are all steps that we can take to take care of our mental health. Um, So yeah, I think like the idea that it's just mental illness or not having one, like that's not true at all. Like it's an ongoing thing that we all have. We all have mental health, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And we all can take steps to like take care of it. And I think it's also helpful to remember that like your mental health can fluctuate just like how our physical health fluctuates. Mm -hmm. So, you know, sometimes we get the flu and we're not feeling great. um, So our physical health is kind of suffering. Well, like similarly, something can happen in your life. Let's say like you're going through something at work. Your mental health can fluctuate as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And like you might have to dedicate more time and attention to it. But just knowing that, like, it's kind of, like I said, this fluid thing that changes and, like, you just kind of have to adapt with it similarly to how, like, if you were, if you had the flu, like, you would, you know, rest and drink fluids and, like, take it easy on yourself. Like, similarly with that, like, mental health is just the same way. Like, if you're not feeling great because something is happening in your life, like, recognizing that, okay, like, during this time, I might not be as productive. I might not be able to do certain things that I usually can. Um, but that's totally fine, you know, like that's all part of taking care of our mental health. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. I feel like um, lately, or at least like, I think all three of us are actually very fortunate that we have circles and communities that are very supportive that mm-hmm. if we feel like something's happening, you know, we feel comfortable enough to bring it up. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really important. And not everyone has that. Um, but yeah, to, I guess, come to terms with your mental health and to address it too is also a big step in it in and of itself yeah definitely but on, on that note then how do you balance your mental health with relationships and with work yeah so hmm, I would say I agree with you in that like I am very lucky with the people I have surrounded myself with or I found myself surrounded by everyone's been really open and understanding so with work um I work in an environment that's like pretty inclusive and open-minded and my manager is honestly like the sweetest person I know. Mm -hmm. So when I first started working at this company in 2019, um, that was when I was going through the most severe anxiety and depression in my life. Mm -hmm. And my manager was actually the one who suggested that I take a leave of absence so that I could focus on getting better. Um, And I think like, For me, honestly, in hindsight, that was 100% the right move because I think Mm -hmm. if I had like kept pushing myself the way that I was, I probably would have just completely broken down. Like there was no way I could have continued. So yeah, with work, I'm really lucky in that I do feel like my mental health is valued by them and I'm able to bring these things up. But I think it also takes like learning how to advocate for yourself and Mm -hmm. not being scared to do so because there are times where I'm like, oh, maybe I shouldn't bring this up, you know, with my manager or with my team. Like, what are they going to think of me? What if they think I'm like not capable of getting the work done because I'm suffering through like this mental illness? Um, Mm -hmm. So like just really working through those emotions. I remember like I actually just Googled like, oh, how to tell my manager that like, (laughs) you know, I'm like mentally not well (laughs) and things like that. Um, So yeah, like having those resources, like, checking those out and like just learning how to fight for myself um and like really be my own like advocate was really crucial Mm -hmm. and 
as for my romantic and romantic friendships, oh, wait, romantic relationships. <laughs> oh, romantic friendships. Yes, oh. me and Annalise. No, that's us. <laughs> as for my romantic uh, relationships and my friendships, I try to be as honest and vulnerable as I can. Um, mm-hmm. It's actually really cute. My therapist calls my boyfriend and my friends like part of my treatment team. Which, yeah, I know, it's so sweet and adorable. Um, I really see it that way because, like, they are there for me. And, like, one of the biggest things I struggle with is just, like, letting them in, um, Mm. knowing when to take space for myself, like, when to reach out for help, and then when Mm. to, you know, hold space for them in my relationships. And I'm definitely still working on it, but I just think I'm very blessed to have people in my life who not only are open and knowledgeable about mental health, but are also very understanding of my situation. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just about like being honest and letting them in and knowing that like they want to help me. Um, and like, it's just a matter of like being communicative about what you need and being your own advocate, like I said. Mm-hmm. Do you have any like off the top of your head ways conversation starters or like things to say to be an advocate for yourself like how do you like when you google how to (laughs) tell your manager like I'm sure they have like articles or like Mm -hmm. suggestions on how to bring that up with friends with family like do you have opening lines that you can think of right now to hey yo I'm depressed oh perfect yeah no I'm kidding (laughs) imagine just drop that in the group chat well actually I have done that (laughs) with some of my friends um and surprisingly it's worked (laughs) yeah or like you know what I mean because like I feel like I'm naturally a very silly person with my friends so like the way I cope with things like that is through humor um so yeah like even if I just send a meme that's like oh like I'm so depressed or whatever like they kind of get the gist you know? <laughs> yeah we we call it a menti b oh yes. mental breakdown. yeah I'm yeah. having a menti b <laughs> yeah <laughs> I think it's just like yeah for me like with the friends aspect at least I try to like start off light you know but then like mm. my friends like know me well enough to know like even though it seems like I'm joking like I really am going through it's something serious, yeah. yeah so mm-hmm. then like they'll usually like follow up and ask questions um yeah I'll just be like oh like hey can I talk about like this thing that's going on in my life um oh something really important that I want to bring up is so I think a lot of people like It's not necessarily like a bad thing, but I do think a lot of people kind of just go to their friends or go to whoever like they trust and they just start talking Mm -hmm. about what they're going through, Um, which is totally fine if like that's how your relationship dynamic is. But I also learned through therapy that um, sometimes it is important to like ask the other person, like, are you in the right headspace right now to hear this? Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. And like, it's definitely like kind of a weird or awkward question to ask, but I think it really helps because like, first of all, you don't feel bad for like taking up their time or space. Um, and also like, you know, that they're in the right, um, mindset to be able to respond to you. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, let's say that you're in a bad mood and then your friend's in a bad mood and then you tell your friend about your bad mood. And then that friend, like, responds kind of like differently or weirdly because they're in a bad mood like Mm -hmm. (laughs) it kind of just like perpetuates right um so yeah like definitely getting an understanding of like the people in your life and um like when and when they can and can't hold space for you is also I think really um helpful Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So I think I totally forgot what the question was, but (laughs) those are ways that I guess I approach the conversation. Mm -hmm. No, that's a good point, too, because like I think friends, for the most part, like if you're coming to them with a problem, even if they're in the bad mood, they're not going to for the most part are not going to be like, oh, I like really can't talk about this because mm-hmm. I want to help you because right. like they're your friend. Yeah. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, therapy is nice like that where you can because I'm the type of person that will like literally just repeat myself over and over again because I just need affirmation mm-hmm. about something. Mm-hmm. And so it's nice to like complain about the same thing over and over again <laughs> to I a know. third party oh person. <laughs> Yeah, I feel that. Like, I love that. That's like their job, kind of. You know, <laughs> is like to just listen to you. <laughs> you can't. They can't. Be, can't feel bad. Be like, I'm sorry, yeah. I'm bringing this up again. But right. Yeah. They have to listen to you. I've done that so many times to my therapist, and like, there are times where I'm like, oh, I know I'm like repeating myself, but like, let me just say this one more time. <laughs> yeah. So to wrap things up, um, we've talked a lot about mental health and your journey, and kind of getting to the point you are today to share your stories with um, people outside of your circle, what would be some advice that you would give to our listeners, um, whether it be related to therapy or bettering yourself or be anyone who's on a mental health journey? Yeah. Um, hmm, okay. So thought of like two pieces of advice. One is like, kind of more extreme or more serious um and the other one I guess is just generally helpful so the first thing is actually something that my sister told me when I was at a point in my life where you know I was feeling really hopeless kind of just felt like I didn't want to continue um so yeah this is gonna be a little bit triggering for people because it's gonna talk about like suicide and things like that but Mm. I would basically I'd call her and I would just be like oh like I want to die or I just don't want to live anymore you know Mm. And I remember she one time responded with this, and it stuck with me ever since. You don't actually want your life to end. You just want the pain to end. Pain is Mm -hmm. temporary, but ending your life is permanent. Mm -hmm. And I know it's something that sounds like so simple and obvious, but I think something about that distinction really, really stuck with me because, you know, she's right. Like, whatever it is that you're going through right now, it's all temporary. And no matter how stuck you feel or how hopeless you feel, it's so important to hold on to the simple fact that like things can change at any time, you know, and Mm -hmm. that life is never always going to be one thing or life isn't always going to feel like this. Um, I think especially recently, like that's been really helpful for myself, actually, because I've been in a pretty low place in my life for I would say like the last year or so, maybe even longer. Um, And when you're stuck in that, I think it's really easy to believe that, like, oh, this is how it's going to be forever. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, like, I always think about what she says about pain being temporary and that, like, you know, our life is, like, really long. (laughs) And we have, like, we're going to go through so much and things will change, like, all the time. And so I think that's just something I want, like, the listeners to sort of keep in mind is that, Mm -hmm. like, yeah, you know, ending your life is a permanent thing, but like pain is isn't always going to be there and there are things you can do to like address that pain. Mm-hmm. Second thing um is something called spoon theory. So I think Annalise <laughs> is familiar with this because I recently sent her the article. Um but yeah, I was recently telling my therapist about how I felt like it was kind of impossible to describe how I've been feeling. 
like especially in those moments where I've been really low. Um, and she was like, oh my God, let me show you this thing called spoon theory. So spoon theory basically comes from this story written by a woman who struggles with lupus, which is an autoimmune disorder. And it's basically this whole allegory of like how every day she wakes up with a limited amount of spoons and she has to somehow make it through the day because everything she does from like dressing herself to, you know, taking the train to work, it all costs a certain number of spoons. And even though the story is technically about physical disability, I think it's also a really perfect way to describe and understand what it feels like to struggle with a mental illness or even just be in a really low point in your life. Mm -hmm. So if you are someone who is struggling right now or who knows someone that might be, I highly recommend looking up Spoon Theory and sharing it. Um, and Annalise, if you want to, you can attest to how helpful or not helpful it's been for you. Um, no, it's yeah, it's been really helpful. I think like, First of all, thank you for sharing the article with me. And I can also add it into the episode mm-hmm. description itself for mm-hmm. our listeners. But it, I think it like, in a way, I, I kind of understood the idea of like, you know, how much mental capacity you have to do something. But the idea to tie it to something physical, like a spoon, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think it was like a very helpful way to picture stuff. And also to think about things that, you know, you don't necessarily think about would, that would exert your energy or would make you feel a certain way so in the article itself she was saying stuff like how um picking what to wear like that took up too much time and now you're late for this Mm -hmm. that was a spoon yeah things like that that you don't really necessarily think about would be exhausting for the other person because it's not for you is kind of I think it helped me put myself in their position or their perspective and I think like even it it could apply to honestly anyone I think Mm -hmm. Yeah, because um, everyone like you know you feel burnt out socially too. You could be like, mm. I just feel socially out of spoons. Yeah, or something. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think yes, definitely. I would say like it's just a good resource to have on hand when you're going through those days where it's just hard for you to describe like how you're feeling or hard for you to get mm-hmm. under other people to understand how you're feeling. Um, and yeah, like I mentioned like kind of earlier in the podcast, like my goal is to always be like as detailed as possible. Um, with like what I'm struggling with and sometimes that's just like really hard and maybe impossible Um, and so having this like almost like metaphor of like spoons and like you said something tangible and physical um, I'm really hoping that that's going to help some of our listeners um, who are struggling with something or who's struggling to understand someone who's struggling with something Um, yeah definitely recommend that well thank you Maya so much for sharing um all your knowledge on the topic it's something we wanted to talk about but all three of us were like I don't know where to start so <laughs> you're we're kind of going to the expert here almost Aww, thanks. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm really honored to be here and I'm I'm really happy to have had this conversation with you guys for more episodes um relating to mental health and a lot more resources than we can give you can follow Maya at my kintsugi mind on Instagram or her website my and to everyone else, thank you so much for listening. Um, you can follow us at Instagram at Adulthood Pending Podcast and join us every other Monday for new episodes. We can't wait to share our stories and are excited you're with us on our adulthood journey. Bye! Bye.